Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. No clear barrier between magic and science. It's not all about living in a box. It's about allowing some magic into everyday life. And I like the idea of that. The perspectives you get from travel, spending time with people in different cultures, different destinations, that's what matters to me. That's mm. what I believe is valuable. And I think I'd rather be rich on perspectives than anything else. That was a little sneak peek of a wonderful conversation you're going to hear today with Tarun Trangsvang. She is the founder of Up Norway. You can check them out at upnorway.com. They're a tour company that curates bespoke authentic experiences and epic adventures in Norway for travelers all over the world. So she's a real expert on this country. Of course, she is Norwegian. She grew up here. So I get to talk to her about some of these Norwegian concepts that I have come to embrace in my own life as a new citizen of Norway. But also, I wanted to get under the skin of some of those concepts a bit because I wanted you and myself to learn about them from a Norwegian and some of these concepts have become a big part of my life. And perhaps after this show, I don't know, maybe you'll steal a few and implement them in yours. We'll have to see. She's also going to share her seven hidden gems, some of her favorites. And what I love about her company that makes it different is the majority of travel companies here where I live in Norway, they take people to the same places. I know because I've been to those places. They're packed with tourists and they can be iconic and amazing, but also a bit crowded so it's nice to learn about some of the more beautiful places that you can see that aren't as crowded as a new citizen of Norway. I'm proud of what we have here. I want you to come visit. I want you to see some of the beautiful places here that most people don't see, most people don't visit. So you'll discover some of those here through the show today. She also talks about her experience living in Bhutan and how that came about, which is a crazy story. We get into the power of setting intentions, magic in life, and much more. It's all happening right now. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. 
Hey, this is Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience, as we continue our destination-themed month. And speaking of that, what destinations do you want me to cover? What places do you want to learn more about? You can get in touch. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. You can also drop me a voicemail. The link is in all of the show notes. Would love to hear from you. I'm excited to share some of the spots that uh, come up in this conversation today that Turun shares. Some very unique places in Norway that I hadn't heard about that I'm excited to visit now. And I hope you get excited to visit as well. Have a big announcement on the back end of the show as well as a quote I'll leave you with. So stick around if you'd like to hear that. Now, here's my conversation with Turun from upnorway.com. Please enjoy. Always a pleasure to do to do these things live. Where are we? We are at Spaces to Linlöcka, which is uh, Norway's most impressive circular building, built <laughs> using more than 80% reusable material. Is that right? That's right. Really? Yes. Well, it's funny you say that because, well, this is part of your job, right? You're supposed to know things about things in that, Norway, right? It's that's like, right. I just expected sort of the stock answer. Oh, we're in a co-working space. I'm like, no, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is the Up Norway office. It right? is. But it's the happening place in the city at the moment. So we have uh, August Quartale right next to us where uh, Espen Holmbobang, the uh, chef of Norway's uh, Michelin-starred restaurant, Three Michelin Stars, Miami, has now established a few other places to eat. So this is it. Well, are we going there after this? <laughs> <laughs> Your treat, right? Uh, yeah. If yeah. you haven't been able to tell, we're actually doing this in person, which is very nice. And I got introduced to you through Gunnar Garfors, uh, a personal friend and a friend of the show who you may have heard before and I have to officially say Torun Tronsvang, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast. My Thank friend. you so much. How was my pronunciation there? It's good, pretty good. I have a dream to conduct an interview in Norwegian, but the, you know this is an English podcast, so I shouldn't do that. But maybe one day, next time, you can be my first one, and then that way you can correct all of my grammatical errors. We're quite good at that, actually. <laughs> Our PT is German and we force him to speak with us in Norwegian. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, what part of Norway did you grow up in? I'm, I'm excited to get to know you because, uh, well, your company is doing some incredible things and you guys have these trips that are taking people to the, the less trodden places, let us say. So we're going to get into all that because you're going to uh, share some of your hidden gems. But I, I do want to learn a little bit more about your story. Yes. Yeah. So I should start with where I'm from. Yes. Yes. So I'm from a little place called Kongsvinger, which is just north uh, east of where we are now, closer to the Swedish border. Mm. It's uh, not known for very many things, but... Over the last year, we've had a really, really cool attraction that has opened, which is the Plus. The Plus is um, set out to be the world's most environmentally friendly furniture factory built in the forests outside of Kongsvinger, Magnur. And it is 
a leading example of how the industrial world should follow and create factories and produce in a way that uh, things new and things modern for the benefit of the world rather than just destroying all our natural resources. So this has also become a really, really cool visitor attraction. Yeah, it sounds like the anti-IKEA in some ways, not to drop brand here, but Yeah, we like we like IKEA, but this is uh this is truly something worth visiting, not just if you're a business owner and want inspiration, but also if you're a person living in the world today who want inspiration. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a sustainable furniture builder? What do you see when you go to a place like that? Well, this place in particular is formed like a plus sign. So they have uh, basically, it's as if you've lifted this uh, big factory down into the forest and there's trees all around, there's art in the forest and everything is like a big showroom, big windows so you can see everything what they do. And they've thought through all their processes. And what I really like is that they make durable products. So they have uh, almost a lifetime guarantee. And if you need spare parts after 10 years, 20 years, you should still be able to get it. But their furniture is not just made thinking green. It's also made thinking social. So, you know, when you're in airports and you want to lie down sometimes because you have hours to kill Mm. and sometimes you have like an arm handle in the way. Well, these furniture, they don't have that at all. It's all about social spaces. And sometimes when they're put up out in town, a lot of places in Oslo have them both inside and outside. It's all about inviting people to have conversations. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. This is a big passion of yours because I know you guys are a B corporation. That's correct. Why is that important to you? It's about... Living this life in a way that um, is meaningful, not just for oneself, but also for people around us, I guess, to try to make the most of every day and to have fun while we do business and do it in a good way, built on good values. And I think B Corp, they really think new Mm. uh, by trying to adhere to those standards It's not about getting the certification only, but it's about building business in a way that benefits uh, the people that work here, our guests, of course, uh, our stakeholders, wherever and whoever they are, and also in a way that doesn't destroy, but more rebuild. Mm. The Norwegian connection with nature is a powerful one, I would say. Although, I guess if you grow up in it, maybe... It just seems more of a natural part of life than it does seem to be from an outside perspective, perhaps. What, what was what was it like growing up in that area for you? I think growing up, we're, we're like children in all parts of the world. You don't really think so much about the natural resources you have around right. you. And when your parents force you to go out and go skiing or spend time outside, sometimes you don't want to, but... I think we are taught up to be in nature, live in nature, manage ourselves in nature. And when we come to the age when we're old enough to appreciate that, we really do appreciate it. And we want to spend more time there and really value the time we have there. Mm -hmm. And I think Norway now has become a leader in those small wilderness retreats, uh, wooden houses in the middle of the forests on stilts built in trees remote destinations, fjord views, lake views. And it's all a result of the fact that we do want to spend time in nature. Our cabins have always been there. Every sixth person in Norway has access to a cabin, but now 
it's uh, still all about simple life. For some, it's about luxurious life. We build too many cabins for sure. But for many, it's about finding those magical places outside where you can just re-energize from nature. Yeah. You were in Bhutan. Yeah, that's right. For quite a while. Yeah, almost three years. Can you tell me about that experience? Yes. Uh, Being in Bhutan was like living in a fairy tale. Everything, yeah, everything that happens in a fairy tale happened in Bhutan. A lot of magic, um, no clear uh, barrier between magic and science. I like that. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. In, In what way? If you go through history and you talk about scientific historical events, then in Bhutan, all of a sudden, someone flies on a tiger. And I like that. It makes life more interesting. And the fact that people are reincarnated, it gives life a longer perspective. And then one day I found myself retelling these stories that I've been told. And I was telling our guests about the reincarnated monk, who he was, the life he had lived before. And then the guest often asked me, you know, do you really believe in this? And I thought, I haven't even considered that. That's how it is here. And I like that, that it's not all about living in a box. It's about allowing some magic into everyday life. And I like the idea of that. And I miss that sometimes here. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite different. Two different places. (laughs) Yeah. And in a way, it's wrong saying that because what I have learned is that you create your own magic. And if you want magic, it's easy to create it yourself. So uh, that's what we try to do in our journeys. We hook up with the best people we know around the country, some magical places, and then we try to create those moments because Mm. it's there if you just look for it. Mm. And we forget that sometimes. What were you doing in Bhutan? In Bhutan? So in Bhutan, I was working for Aman, Aman Resorts, which is and has been always my favorite hotel company. Uh, I like the values that they represent. I like how they integrate in the local communities where they establish themselves. They don't always build new. They also use properties that are there from before. They use natural materials. We did a lot of community work. We uh, engage people in work that have not worked before. And we try to work in a circular way where we built our own systems to handle garbage. We built our own systems to involve guests in the local communities. We tried to uh, educate people when they were there. We delivered very specifically on the interests of those who came. We invested a lot in the locals in terms of education, on-the-job training. And uh, yeah, it's generally just a good life and I learned a lot as well as a leader as someone who was a foreigner in a new country and uh, yeah about like there's one story that I really remember where there was a friend of mine who told this story where one of his guests who he had brought to Bhutan had questioned a local you know don't you like almost pitying him, feeling sorry for him for not having traveled outside of Bhutan because Mm. he didn't have the opportunity and didn't have a passport. Yeah. But then the Bhutanese had sent the question straight back at him. You know, I'm here, I'm happy and I'm content. I don't need to travel anywhere. And still I'm happy. And then you 
on the other hand, you're here, you've traveled all over the world searching for a happiness that you can't find. So who is living the better life? Is it you or me? And I like that. So they are, they are really, really uh, interesting people. And uh, they've built their country and their leadership on different pillars than what we have in this modern world. At that time, this was 08, correct? The yeah, that's right. Went. Yeah. Was that something you were working towards? Just having an experience outside of Norway for an extended period of time? Was that the first time you did that? Had you done it before? No, I'd... Um, I didn't travel much outside of Norway as a child because we could never afford that. So we used to have vacations within the Scandinavian countries. But uh, when I had my confirmation, I wanted, like I wished for money and a suitcase. So I got money <laughs> and a suitcase, bought my first ticket to Spain with my neighbor. And then uh, the next trip after that was an exchange here as a Rotary student in Australia. And then I've traveled ever since, basically. Wow. So, yeah. And then when I was in Australia, there was a lady from my Rotary Club. She took me to a, a sanctuary. And we saw these birds, cockatoos, parrots, all different colors. And uh, I remember thinking that, oh, my God, I, it, I never, it never struck me that these birds that we put in cages actually live somewhere free. And I thought and I said loud, you know, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And that lady, her name was Julia. She looked at me and she said, well, if you think this is beautiful, you haven't been to Bhutan. And that's when I realized Bhutan was a country and this is where I have to go. Really? Yeah. Just from that one conversation? Yeah. So I got obsessed with Bhutan, you know, and I studied every single detail of the culture, the religion, everything and really? then yeah and then Amman was actually the first international hotel company to establish themselves in Bhutan in 2004 so I just knew I wanted to go so then I remember I was doing an exchange here at uh, because I studied for my bachelor in hospitality in Dubai yeah I did an exchange here in uh, Lausanne and then we had a man Ferdinand Voltenboer was his name from Amman who came to interview students and everyone, you know, they had their 15 minutes on fame. They got to say they wanted to work for Amman, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was quite general, open to take any job that they got offered from this company. But I was very specific. I said, I want to work as a lodge manager and I want to work in Bhutan. And then after that, a few years, two years, I think after that, I, uh, I was hired. Wow. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by a, a brief exchange with somebody you meet traveling or whatever that that can change somebody's life in such a profound way yeah you're just a, this this comment oh well you should then you should check out bhutan you're like off and running well it sounds like kind of thinking about what you were talking about with magic and science and and some of your uh beliefs and creating your own magic are you a believer in in that idea of setting an intention like that, like, hey, I want to I want to go there. I want to work this and now I'm going to work towards it and, and make it a reality type of thing. It gets woo woo when people call it manifesting or whatever you want to call it. You can't just sit there and wait for things to happen. But is that a value in your life or something you think about? Absolutely. And I've thought about it a lot lately because I think in my life, if, if we think about Bhutan and think about all the career choices and travel choices I've made, if, if they're related to my professional development, I've always set intentions and goals for my own professional development. Yeah. And I felt when I started up Norway 
in 2016, I could use all the experience that I have accumulated in life in that business. But when I think about my personal life, I don't think I've been as good in setting intentions because I've thought that what happens in my personal life should just sort of happen. Mm. But now over the last couple of years or so, I'm thinking that's probably the wrong approach that you're better off setting intentions both in your personal and professional life. So that's something that I'd like to get better at. Yeah, that's a really cool way to think about it. When you think about personal life, what would some of those be for you? Uh, well, I think it could be related to love first and foremost, rather yeah. than sitting around waiting for the man of my life, you need to set an intention and try to think of like, how do you want that part of your life to be? Like I dream of say a few years from now, retiring to maybe my own little lodge in the mountain somewhere. And it's not going to happen if I don't start planning for it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's something I'd like to do and like to sort of approach in a more structured way i think yeah lifestyle yeah. goals lifestyle goals yeah yeah. Mm. yeah i think i do it in in some ways like for example last year my colleague henrietta and i we decided or i convinced her to come with me and do a dancing class so every monday after work we'd go and we'd dance and the, the whole theme was learn to dance like Lady Gaga. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. And then we had our PT in the morning every Tuesday. So when we got to work Tuesday morning, we'd already had one dancing class to start the week off. And then we had our strength exercise in the morning. And it's Tuesday. We're ready for work. And we've already had two sets of exercise for the week. And dancing makes you really happy. Yeah. So doing things like that, just don't sit around and wait for things to come or think about what you want and not do it, just do it. Mm. We also did, uh, Christian, my other colleague, we did uh, a wine class, a VSET certification last year, which was also a lot of fun. So I think, you know, think about what you want and then just just do it. Mm. I'm a little bit obsessed with that last Lady Gaga song, Hold My Hand. <laughs> heard that one. I'm How not going to sing it. Come oh, on. no, I'm yeah. not going to do that to the <laughs> listeners, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best 
off the beaten path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. And it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds. So you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there. And that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself. And that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. I, I kind of want to learn more about your time in Bhutan because okay. the, the studying leading up to it and the immersion in the culture, I'm just wondering what else you took from that experience spiritually or energetically, if you want to go there. Or we, we talk kind of about professionally. Yeah. Some of the development there. But what about some of the other aspects? Oh, that's a big question. In in Bhutan, I was introduced to people who have meant so much to me, both when I was there, but also later in my life. And I think, like what you were referring to earlier, sometimes it's those small conversations with people or like just a quote you read or what someone says that really gets you thinking. And I think with some of the people I met in Bhutan, I learned a lot and I've taken that knowledge, that small piece of information with me and uh, done trial and error basically. And uh, what have I learned? It's just maybe perceiving the world from a Bhutanese person's point of view has been really, really interesting because they live in a landlocked country with leadership that they really admire and value how they manage with less, how when you don't have a TV, a radio, when you don't read the news every day, when you're not struck with information all the time, you don't long for things all the time. You're more content. You're more content with less. And that's that's something to think about. Like The more we have, the more we want, the more unhappy we are. So when we think about people in other parts of the modern than this modern world it's as if we pity people who have less but I don't think they're worse off than us in many parts of the world I'm not saying everywhere but many and then what else like there's so many small life lessons learned from being in that country anything that's come up recently I I think of Bhutan every single day really yeah that that's a transformative travel experience absolutely if that, if that's yeah entering your daily life like yeah, that. no, I had, um, like, there's one big dream I had when I went to Bhutan, and that was to hike the Snowman's Trek. And the Snowman's Trek is a one-month trek across uh, the Himalaya. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I think it's 13 mountain passes that we pass along the way, and I remember doing that trek because I was able to do it by, uh, we asked Amman guests to 13? Yeah, we asked Amman guests to sponsor a yak. And then from the money we got from those sponsorships, we uh, gathered clothing for children. We got a doctor to come with us and we gathered school equipment for children. And then we started hiking in these super remote areas over this month. 
Wow. And it's on very high altitude. So it actually has 50% failure rate due to altitude sickness. Yeah. And even half of our team also had to go down. But I was the only one who wasn't Bhutanese. And just being without phone connection for a month, being with people, getting to know them, hearing their stories, their perspectives, being so close to nature in all type of weather and the encounters we had with people along the way, it was just amazing. And also it taught me that like us Westerners, we always try to help and we don't think about how we interfere with local ecosystems. So I felt quite stupid, I remember, because we brought, uh, we brought crayons and we hadn't considered the fact that they don't have paper to write on. Mm. And also when we bring a doctor to their community, if they get sick, will they stay around and wait for a new doctor to come? Are we actually interfering in a good way or a bad way? And these are life's less, life lessons that I never thought of before. Mm. But just being in these areas, being with the people and just... Yeah, that was uh, a really, really powerful experience. And I remember managing to go through those. I think it's 24 days that we spent and getting down from the mountains after having done that. And it's it's hard, you know, like altitude is really hard over such a long time. And then I remember as a woman, you never really think about days or you don't have days where you're proud of your body. But I remember, oh my God, I managed to bring myself across those mountain passes, spend mm. one month on high altitude in all sorts of weather, come down and, you know, I'm feeling great, better than ever. Incredible. And that's the first time I reflected on the fact that I felt proud of my body for just taking me through that. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. It's like you feel good. I'm sure that there are so many aspects of even just that one month and you were there for you spent three years yeah. in that country uh, that are, it's tough to put into words. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, I was very fortunate because what I started doing when I was there was looking at how can we develop more experiences for guests? How can we engage guests more in the local communities? And I started doing this for one, one lodge that I worked at because Amman had five lodges and still have five lodges in the country. And then when we started doing this and doing write-ups, inviting guests to come with us for different types of experiences, which mm. could be like tubing down the river or having lunch at the local family's house or different hikes to different temples. Then I was lucky and they sent me around to all the five lodges to do that. So I was paid to just explore and walk in the <laughs> mountains, you know, for weeks and months. Oh, goodness. That sounds Yeah. <laughs> and then I also got to, uh, to take part together with HR in creating training programs for all the employees. I'd worked with development of uh, quality assurance standards and training programs in Dubai. Mm. So to take those programs with me to adapt them to a Bhutanese audience and then work on that and get feedback from every single group of supervisors we went to went through and did uh, supervisor training, trained the trainer. And I remember one feedback we always got, me and the HR manager, Karma Thinley was her name, was that we should be more funny. We weren't funny enough. <laughs> And then we tried, <laughs> you know, really you? hard. Yeah, we tried to be more funny, tried to use more humor. And just yeah. seeing the change in response oh, yeah. when we made like a conscious effort to be more funny, it's mm -hmm. really interesting. Like, how do people learn? You know, what do they want? Yeah. And sometimes it's about just having fun while you do it. And it makes people remember. They get gets them engaged. So all I have thousands of life's lessons like this, I think, from Bhutan. Do you keep in touch with anybody? Uh, I do. A couple that I still keep in touch with regularly mm. and then some sporadically. 
Have you been back since no. your experience? I'm not sure if I do want to go back because I'm scared that it will have changed. <laughs> but maybe one day I will. Yeah, it sounds to me like a lot of this, and I guess your experience in Dubai as well, just it, it the foundation for everything you're doing today in many ways, philosophically and structurally, logistically, yeah. Yeah. with the company and, and all of that. Because there is a... There's an underlying philosophy to companies, of course. There's company culture and all these things, but I mean, the bigger a company gets, the, in some cases, I guess, the further away you can get from that. But especially with travel, I feel it's the things you believe philosophically are, are infused into the business, even though you might look at a business and look at the systems and processes and all of the sort of technical aspects of a business like you're running, but there's the philosophical side that you get from where you growing up here and your experiences abroad. That can't help but infuse itself into your your business, which is essentially an ever-changing piece of art in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think like in Bhutan, the whole concept we had with Aman was that guests would come, they would get their own guide and driver, and then they would venture out on a journey of different lengths yeah. to visit uh, two, three, four, or five of the lodges. And the lodges were placed in valleys that had different things to offer, and they were quite diverse because the altitude is quite different depending on where you are in the country. And then Every guest would have a different reason. It was very intentional. When someone comes to Bhutan, you know what you want. It could be for the more than 200 different types of rhododendron that people wanted to see. It could be Buddhism. It could be the nature, trekking. But you're quite, yeah, determined. You know what you want when you come to Bhutan normally. And I think for us now with the concept we're doing with Up Norway, the whole idea was that we don't have to own the lodges uh, to do a concept like that, to create an Amankura, Aman journey. Kura means journey in Sanskrit. We can create our own Up Norway journey where we, because we know Norway and the people who are the hosts of our guests so well, we can pick out and quality assure the ones we like the most. And then we'll get to know the guests, we'll get to know their interests, their preferences. And based on that, we'll know who to match them with. And then we'll curate a Kura, a journey, for each and every guest who travels with us. So the concept is the same, but it's with the up Norway, Norway touch in a way. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the hidden, the hidden parts. Uh, yeah. Sure. Was Spain then the the thing that really hooked you on travel? Was that the the travel bug, getting bit by the travel bug? Because after your trip to Spain, with yeah. your I think it was Australia. Okay, I've yeah. always wanted. You were to... off and running then. After yeah, that. I was just like this is what I'm gonna be involved with. Yeah, because I think um, I felt so fortunate being in Australia as a Rotary Exchange student. Their program is that you're put with five different host families rather than one because uh, oh, cool. yeah, the host families are volunteers. They're members of the Rotary Club, so rather than getting stuck with the student for twelve months, they get stuck for three months. Yeah. And just being so close to five families who welcomed me in like their own daughter and just understanding families from the inside, that was completely new to me. Hmm. And it just made me get this huge interest and appreciation for people. And uh, that's something that I've really, really learned through travel, that the perspectives you get 
from travel, spending time with people in different cultures, different destinations, that's what matters to me. That's mm. what I believe is valuable. And I think I'd rather be rich on perspectives than anything else. And to be able to to create a business concept out of that where we can give that to someone else, you know, share the values of our favorite people in Norway with those who come to us. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, travel gives an opportunity to do that. And I, I, I love that. You've seen some amazing places around the world. You've had all these incredible experiences. Why did you come back to Norway? Why didn't you just keep traveling? What brought you back to Norway? Yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes I thought about just staying because when you start working with Amman, you can live a life where you just sort of go from Amman to Amman around the world. Sure. And act as or the other host. organizations, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, or other organizations. And I think that uh, would also be an, a good life. But I came back because I am Norwegian. I feel Norwegian. I appreciate very many things about Norwegian culture. And most of all, my friends and my family uh, is here. Yeah. And uh, to be able to spend time with them is really important to me. And also for me, when I was going to make a career for myself in travel, then looking at the values that Norwegian society has as a nation, as a country, I think there's a lot that we have achieved that we can build upon and try to sort of bring out to the world as well. We have uh, developed huge wealth from oil and with that comes a big responsibility that we should take and share with the world. Even though we found oil here, it doesn't mean that we should keep it all to ourselves and make sure only Norwegians benefit. So how can we now use the, the richness that we have done to, that we have and have used to put systems, processes in place that have taken us to a position where now quite high up on both achievements on the UN sustainability goals. We're high up on the world happiness index. Okay, so how can we sort of share that with the world and how can we bring people here that we can learn even more from? So, uh, so I think, like, I, I am Norwegian. I feel Norwegian. I love Norway and I'd like to sort of use that as a starting point to, yeah. to create journeys. I want to talk about some of those Norwegian concepts in a second. I think that's one of the most enriching parts of travel after the journey is this idea that you you get to curate some of the things you love from other cultures and perhaps incorporate them into your own life, whether it's a, a, an actual practice like taking a fika like they do in Sweden or something like that and just being like, oh, that's a really cool concept. I want to take that you know back back home with me. Or if it's just something that impacts your perspectives, as you mentioned. I, I think that's a wonderful thing. So being able to take some of those Norwegian concepts that I've grown to not only learn about, but to love and, and embrace and be able to export them, if you will, yeah, whether yeah. it's through an experience on the ground or through a podcast like this, where we can just share some of the concepts and give some people yeah. some things to think about. And I think what you mentioned there, Jason, is what what we try to do because like you talked about earlier like philosophy and values and if we take that and talk about transformation for example what mm -hmm. is transformation it sounds like people can get freaked out by the fact that you're going on a transformational journey but transformation is about change change to the better it is about picking up something from a country you go to visit 
something you like, and then taking it home, changing behavior a little bit to the better for yourself, for others, mm. for the environment around you. And it's something you implement in your life that's good as a result of travel. And that's what we try to do with our journeys. We want to enrich, we want to inspire. Mm. And that's what it's all about. Let's talk about some Norwegian concepts I find inspiring. Yes. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to get the explanation from a real Norwegian. Although I am a citizen now. Congratulations. That doesn't mean that I can explain these concepts fully because I didn't grow up with them. So there's a different level perspective. Of, uh, yes. Yeah. And you're here. So we can talk about it. The first one I wanted to discuss and get your perspective on is was coined by the Norwegian poet Henrik Ibsen in 1871. Friluftsleve. Yes. Can you talk about Friluftsleve and maybe give some people an idea of what it is and why it's something to perhaps think about or consider in, in, in incorporating into their own lives? Yeah, sure. So Friluftsleve, what does it mean? It means uh, directly translated free air life. So it's all about being and living outside and uh, we also have another expression called ut på tur, out on a hike or out and about. And uh, that's what we do in our friluftsliv. We go out and we spend time outside. And it could be just taking what we want for dinner, going outside and cooking it on the fire. It can be just deciding that let's bring uh, a tent and go out and sleep in the forest tonight. It could be choosing to do a hiking holiday or it can just be like after work, get out, you know, spend time outside rather than being inside on the sofa. And the one thing that I have noticed is that when guests come to Norway, they do notice that our air is quite clean. It's quite fresh. And nature is always very close, even if you're in our capital city, Oslo. It's very easy to get out in nature to enjoy friluftsliv. And we also have our own trekking associations called the DNT, the Norwegian Trekking Association. They own and they run cabins. Some of them are fully serviced, some are like self-serviced, and some of them are unserviced. But for very little money, they give Norwegians access to use those cabins all over the country and they have marked trails all over the country and they do things for kids. So they try to engage Norwegians and visitors in spending time outside. And I think a really interesting development when it comes to the cabins run by the Norwegian Trekking Association is that they are becoming really architecturally interesting as well. Mm. They're spectacular, some of them now, that pop up. So they give people... You don't have to be rich to get access to friluftsliv. Anyone has access to it when they're in Norway. And it's all about just getting out and enjoy it. And at home, if you're listening, maybe that's a call to action. Get out and enjoy whatever quality. Free air life. Today, the yeah. free air life. Love yeah. that. The design here is insane. You mentioned the cabins yeah. and the architecture. And I hate to hate on my home country but <laughs> go back sometimes and and you know you see things that are well designed and and it it gets better but i mean here it feels like it don't seem like they cut corners very often just to get something up it seems like there is always some thought around it's not that there aren't ugly buildings or, or things like that but generally speaking design is a huge part of this culture i don't even know if you notice it anymore if you're just kind of used to the scandinavian design but i kind of walk around like this is 
everything's so incredibly designed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, you do have uh, some who try to, to cut corners, but I think that people now crave good design. They take pride in it. Yeah, and I think the the concepts, the projects that do have good designs are winning at the moment. So whereas we've been a country dominated by very standard design, at least when it comes to the Scandinavian hotel chains, they're getting competition. This mm. is changing. People mm -hmm. want design. They want functionality. They want a thought behind how something is produced, where the materials come from. Is it handcraft? Is it the machine produced? High quality, low quality. People care now and they notice. Mm. And I like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot has happened over the last 10 years. And I think we've just started. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful aspect of traveling. Just having your eyes opened to, for example, new design concepts or just being inspired in that way. I yeah. Think when you see the attention to detail that somebody has put into something and it's just new to you. I don't know any other way to say it other than your eyes feel a bit extra open when you're traveling which is a shame because they should be extra open all the time at home but we get into our routines and it's not always easy to walk around with those wide open eyes but when I do even at home well my home's here so maybe there's a it's a bit different but it's always gratifying I always get that extra feeling of trap like that travel feeling yeah. at home you know what I mean yeah <laughs> and if you've noticed like why do we like the design details and I think a lot of it is about bringing nature in yeah being outside inside huge window surfaces a lot of wooden and other natural materials and more simplistic mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be very extravagant or very materialistic but more subtle and down to earth and then give you easy access to nature mm. and good light you mentioned Utputur, Aldrisur. Yes. The other part of that, if you're yeah. out on out, outside on tour, then you shouldn't be grumpy, essentially. No, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of tied in with free live sleeve, right? And do finish Ike Dorli Va, Bada Dorli There's yeah. no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. That's right. It means you get out in all types of weather. Yeah. Right? At first, it was weird to see all the babies sleeping outside in the middle of winter. Yeah. Not... not they, they're in sleeping bags and stuff, you know, just so everybody's listening. They're not just throwing their babies out on the sidewalk to sleep. But it's not something you see back in the States. No. Babies taking their naps outside. We believe in fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with the Polska cream? Polska cream. So you want to explain what that is? Sure. <laughs> so Polska is Easter and cream is crime. So this yeah. is our peak season for crime. Dark, it, crime, murder, yeah, yeah. all the stuff. Books, series, yeah. movies. Do you like it? Everything. I love it. You do? Horror movies and psychological thrillers <laughs> are my favorite categories. Because Easter here is its own extended holiday. It's usually a week free. That yeah. seems like everybody in the country has that week yeah. free. Yeah. And they spend it eating hot dogs. Yeah, candy, chocolate. Getting outside and watching murder shows. Yeah, skiing in the day, murder shows in the evening. <laughs> we love that. Is that you sound like the perfect day for you? Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love some more days like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about Fredog's Taco? <laughs> Yeah, Fredag's Taco is not, uh, it's not part of my culture or my life, uh, but this is um, 
because Norway has a lot of TV programs uh, suitable for families shown yeah. on Friday nights, yeah. it's been the evening of the week where families have a tradition of eating taco, Norwegian style, or pizza. But it's all about, if you say Fredag's taco, everyone knows it's Friday, it's taco in front of the TV and just watching the programs, the talk show programs that are sent on there. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that the TV part was a part of the thing, but I do know it's all about the box tacos. Yeah. No, no fancy tacos. No. Just the box with the spices and the That's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes we do our Fredox tacos on like Wednesday or something. Wow. That's cheating. I know. I'm Mm. a bad Norwegian. Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned the hitter culture, the cabin culture. Why is that such a big part of Norway? Traditionally, most or Norwegian families, they will have access to some type of cabin. And uh, a cabin was the second house that we had out somewhere in the countryside in a more remote destination. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes you also have uh, Stöl, which is uh, the places where people lived in summer to take care of all the animals that were grazing somewhere in the mountains. And these have now been converted into simple cabins. And of course, as people's wealth has grown people have built more cabins in remote destinations if we are to look at this from a more sort of uh, not so positive perspective i think uh, norway is building way too many cabins Mm -hmm. and uh, the material use and the way we're just sort of building cabins in areas that have been nature i don't think that's good development and i hope it stops because i think we have enough cabins in this country now to 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 keep this culture alive. Yeah, it seems like culturally there's this, <laughs> this might be extreme, but it's almost like there's a God-given right that everyone should have, have a cabin. A cabin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a cabin, but I, it, it would be fun to have a cabin. Yeah. It'd be nice to have a cabin. Yeah. But I see your point. Yeah, the, you're getting the access to nature and all the values that we already discussed, but at what cost? Exactly. And, uh, I think we have enough and there are all cabins that can be renovated. Cabins can be shared. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for those type of concepts rather than having every Norwegian with access to a cabin and it's empty most of the year. It seems so wasted. It does seem like that. My mother-in-law where, where she lives, there's a cabin area right up above her house. And of course it's full during the peak times of New Year's Eve, let's say, or Easter when people are watching their murder and, and going skiing. But a lot of times it's just nobody there. Yeah. I'm like, give me the keys to those cabins. Exactly. Let me stay there. Yeah. My dad has uh, <laughs> like the cabin in our family is um, my dad's. Yeah. And uh, they actually share that cabin, which is a small, small, old fisherman's cabin. And they share it with another couple. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, so it is used a lot. And uh, they just divide the side on which weeks they're going to be there. They try Mm -hmm. to use it all parts of the year and every season. And uh, it's just very simple. And when we go there, it's all about, again, free Luftsliv, being Mm -hmm. outside. And then we just go in for meals if it rains. Other than that, we're just outside. Yeah. Yeah. Very simple life. Good life. It is the Utpolanda. Yeah. Playing, yeah, playing cards. The lifestyle of the countryside and yeah. the nature. Yeah. Mm, fishing. Yeah. Mosquitoes. It's the best way. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mosquitoes, migs. The uh, the 
ones that are where my wife is from, it's, they're awful. I mean, there's sometimes you go outside in August and it's, you, you literally walk outside and there are just black dots all over your face within 12 seconds. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, luckily there are machines you can get now to keep them away. And yeah. one, the Sami, like the Samis are our native people. He told me because up in the north, it's uh, quite bad. Yeah. He told me that the trick was to, at the start of the season, when the mosquitoes start coming, you take off your t-shirt and then you just put your arms up and then you stand, you let them bite you and bite you and bite you. Really? And then you suffer for a few days. And after that, you're sort of cleared for the season. Really? That's what he said. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I want to say I'm going to try that, but I don't know. No, I don't think I'll try, so we'll never know if it really works. That is, uh, I love the visual on that. Yeah. Somebody standing there with their arms up. The Seedon. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Seedon. So for us, until I was like a teenager, I thought that Seedon was the country. <laughs> But we talk kind about of is in way. yeah. We talk about like when we say go to Sweden, it's uh, because Norway is so far north. Sweden is south, yeah. so whenever we go from Norway, it's all about going south mm -hmm. to Sweden mm. to the south. Can be anywhere in the south. It can be anywhere. It's a general direction. Yeah, and that's where we all dream about going in November. Yes, because yes. of the cold and the dark. Yeah, well, we have to say that this November has not been very cold. Mm -hmm. And I've spent several amazing days outside just running in the forest and just uh, appreciating the season. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. That's a great attitude. Yeah, and autumn is also the time where you really get your appetite up because there's so much good food to eat, like mm -hmm. mushrooms, like game. You know, it's the hunting season and it's just... Yeah, very different from the summer season. Ever-changing mm -hmm. lights, northern lights start coming now. I don't know if you knew, but uh, the northern lights activity now is quite high and predicted to continue to grow until 2025. Really? Okay. Yeah, so it's really good good time to come now until 2025 if you want to see the magical northern lights. Hmm. I wonder if that's one of the spots on your list. We're going to find out here in a second. Do you think that Norwegians... I would say the pandemic that we went through offered an opportunity for people to reappreciate their backyard. And I'm wondering if that's just an idea or if that, if you've seen that in reality, working in travel here, have, has there been an increase in tourism in Norway with Norwegians traveling and doing more of that instead of going to Sweden or some of these other places they've traditionally gone to, to escape the weather here? Absolutely. Of course, Norwegians, we didn't have a lot of choice mm -hmm. when yeah. the borders closed. They closed. So yes, sure. many Norwegians did travel and rediscover their own country. And what we saw, like, like our concept is made for international travelers. But what we saw was that Norwegians also came to us. And uh, Norwegians generally have an attitude where they believe they know best and mm -hmm. they can manage better on their own. So to, to buy a curated travel service in their own country was not something that right. seemed logical to many. But when we convinced people to try us once, they came again and again. So now we really? do actually have a, a good Norwegian clientele uh, of people who uh, who rediscover Norway through us. Nice. So that's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of discovering Norway, yes, we should get into some of these hidden gem spots. And as I mentioned, you, this is what you do. Yes. I mean, you've been doing this for how long? 
<laughs> well, we started in 2016. Yeah, okay. So many years, and you've gone to a lot of places all around here, and you have also gone to the places that I'm sure that are crowded, and you have the queues going up, uh, the hiking trails and things like that. Yep. And it's all well and good to see some of those iconic places, but we wanted to give people listening some uh, bucket list items, perhaps, some food for thought if they're going to come to Norway. What are some places they should consider going? Yeah. <laughs> I think before we go into the places to go, I think it's also worth touching upon what you're saying, like when it comes to when you go, because to avoid uh, mm. crowds, like if you think about traveling off season, not necessarily in the peak periods, you can get so much more if you're after an authentic experience. You know, you can go to those places that are iconic, that are well-known. Like, for example, last week we had one of our favorite guests. He's traveled with us the longest. He took his family and went to the Pulpit Rock. Yeah. And it rained that day. But we had arranged for him to have a private guide. The guide brought his dog. We made sure they all had the right clothes. Mm -hmm. Ut på tur, aldrig sur. Yeah. Finns ikke dårlig vær, bare dårlig klær. <laughs> and all of this. And uh, after their hike, we also arranged for them to be picked up uh, in a private boat. And they did a little cruise. They got to stay warm. They got refreshments. But what he said is that, you know, even though it rained for the full length of that hike, we had the pulpit rock all to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. something we'll never get again. So we loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I think also now we see that more people are willing to travel outside of the peak summer months, July, August, and the peak winter months. And I think that gives a lot of value. So September for us this year was amazing. And the guest feedback we had from those who traveled in September was incredible. Mm -hmm. Northern lights, beautiful autumn foliage, and uh, just people who had time, you know, to talk to them, to show them around, to immerse them in local culture. So I think the time to travel is also something to consider when you do think of what type of experience you want. Do you want to be a traveler, a local to get immersed, or do you want to be a tourist? Yeah, that's great. And you can take that concept of there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing, get the right clothing, and yeah. you can expand this out to anywhere in the world, right? Absolutely. If you're just willing to kind of be in that and a part of that and make it part of the travel experience and know that there are benefits to that Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. 
Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. So now where do you want to start, Jason? Well, that's your call. This is your country. Yeah. I'm just living in it. <laughs> <laughs> so we have seven off the beaten path yeah. destinations here. I would love for you to just, yeah, pick a, pick one and let's get it rolling and, and hear a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. Let's start with Weiholmen. Uh, okay. Weiholmen is what we refer to as the Norwegian Maldives. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And why, you might think. And why is because this is our little island paradise. Off the west coast uh, of a bigger island called Smyrda, you mm -hmm. have uh, small islets, beautiful archipelago where the light is absolutely incredible. Mm. And we have access to a few villas here that are owned and run by some amazing hosts and just coming out here, it's very hard to explain and it's not heavily marketed. It doesn't have a lot of commercial experiences. But coming out here, it's all about just being and enjoying the light, enjoying the natural elements. And for me personally, to kayak in this area, mm -hmm. oh my God. Really? Yeah. Just Iconic. That, yeah, because... You can almost like you can paddle out to where the, the big ocean breaks. So you can see the huge waves and just see that immense power of the ocean and still be quite safe in calm waters. Mm. But still, you need to, to be in control because there's current and it's just, yeah, absolutely spectacular. Mm. And there are some nice um, architecturally made bird sheds that you can sort of venture to light up a fire, get some lunch, a hot beverage and just, yeah, enjoy life. Sounds incredible. Live. I'm yeah. always so interested in the people that run these places in yeah. the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And that's just their their spot. Yeah. They they have a small accommodations or hotel, but they're all different. But these isolated areas where a family or an individual runs a business like this and, and they it's it's always an interesting person. Yeah, to me because they there's they're usually big periods of time where they don't see anybody. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it's just it's such a small place. But then they have tourists come in. I don't know. You must meet a lot of characters at some yes. of these. Uh... <laughs> That's the best part of this. Yeah, That's the best part of it. And you know, people they don't always think about the fact that it's people that really make their experiences. For sure. So you don't search out the destination for the people you'll encounter, but that's what creates the biggest impression. Yeah. So memorable, and of course, the nature, but yeah. the, the people you encounter is a uh, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. All right, give us another one. We'll take uh, Ramneraya. The Ram Ramneraya. 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 It means the eagle's nests. Okay. This is one of those new 
beautiful small cabins made for ideally two people. It took seven years to build or carve out. So this is like um, old Norse uh, Viking uh, wood carvings wow. uh, that you'll also find in our stave churches built by two brothers with their partners and the father. And uh, it's just their life project over seven years in this spectacular location overlooking the uh, Sognefjord. And it's for someone to go there and just be in the nature, be one with nature, just practice the art of doing absolutely nothing and then enjoy the craft work around you. And then again, being with these amazing hosts fully tattooed, long hair, look like true Norse Vikings <laughs> who can introduce you to local history, arrange for you to go to the local stave church, hear stories from the past, learn about Viking culture. Mm. And then the sister in this family, she is a chef, so she can come and prepare this amazing meal for you while you're in your own Viking feel eagle nest house in the woods overlooking the fjord. And just create this spectacular experience. I find it so inspiring when people are able to dedicate so many years of their life to one particular thing. Yeah. Just for Because I'm all over the place. I feel like it's, it's just it's so admirable to me. Yeah. And they had to build their own machine to create these wood carvings. So they're just super intellectual, dedicated, fun people. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Practicing the art of doing nothing is is kind of hard nowadays. It is. Isn't it? It's an art. It is an art. How yeah. do you do it? Personally? Yeah. Uh, it's really hard for me, actually. I am quite bad at it. But uh, I've become better. So I force myself to leave my computer at the office. And then I practice saying no to things and sometimes I'll go for a walk or a run and for me that's sort of practicing the art of doing nothing mm. uh, cycling if you're on a road bike I find myself uh, not being able to be on a mobile and you have to sort of focus but still you can be with your own thoughts you could be social but still yeah. you're sort of doing something alone mm -hmm. And also, back to what you said about Påskekrim, if I watch a horror movie, I find that I'm fully 100% engaged in that story. And I don't think about anything else. So for me, that's sort of the art of doing nothing. <laughs> one horror movie everybody must see. Yes. Which one? I think um, my favorite psychological thriller is Silence of the Lambs. Okay. So I think just the plot of that story is so engaging and so brilliant that it really grabs your attention and keeps it. Mm. You know, what's funny. My, I was reading this book to my son last night. It's a Rudolph. silence of the lambs. No, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> a children's story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hannibal Lecter, a children's story. There is a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer book and we they, don't, they don't care whatever time of year it is. I could read it any time of year. And one of the reindeers is named Clarice. Yeah. And yeah. so every time I read the book, they don't know. It's my own joke to myself. I yeah. was like, and Rudolph met with Clarice. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to say it like the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I have fun with it anyway. Hmm. That's important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Give us another one. Yes, I think we should take uh, Mollishok. So Mollishok is uh, a mountain lodge originally built for people who used to hunt grouse. Mm -hmm. And it is in the Finnmark Plains in the very far north of Norway. Mm -hmm. If you drive between uh, Alta and Karasok, Karasok is the seat of our Sami people. And this lodge uh, is reachable by snowmobile, uh, dog sledding, skiing. Hmm. Uh, there's no road going all the way up there in winter and in summer you can go with a small plane and just coming here is like going back to, to simple life like getting there is an experience being there is an experience it's cold so you get to wear clothing that the Sami people wear who are used to being outside in like minus 30 degrees and a lot of it is made from reindeer skin and you just see the technicality of this gear it's like it's natural, but it's so high tech. And that's fun to stay warm and comfortable when it's minus 30. Mm. And then you go ice fishing and you see like the small instruments that they've made up to get that amazing fish, even though it is minus 30. Mm. And just, yeah, being outside the light, the northern lights, sauna, maybe having a, a dip in the freezing cold water. And just being there with people, gathering inside in front of the fire. There's good atmosphere. No one's on their phones. You can read a book if you want, or you can just enjoy a good meal, get the fish, cook it, watch the the hosts prepare it in the kitchen. Mm. It's just simple pleasures in life. Mm. And just knowing that you can relax because you're not going anywhere that evening. You're just stuck where you are in a nice way. Mm. Can you talk about your experience with the Sami culture? Yes. I've become very, very curious and interested in Sami culture over the last few years. Uh, I remember when I was in Australia, when I was younger, we used to hear about the Australians and how they had sort of not been very nice to the Aborigines and they've taken Uluru away from them, Ayers Rock. And then it's only when I grew older that we learned that Norwegians have also not been so nice to the Sami people who were here, you know, in the north uh, before they came. We've taken their land and we've made rules that they had to follow. And when we look at it, the Samis have always done everything in their power to preserve nature, mm. land. And I think they've always had this special connection to nature, their own uh, way of looking at time, their own way of... Uh, being with animals, the reindeer. And I think we have so much to learn from the knowledge that they have gained from living so close to nature, being so in touch with all the elements. And I think what the modern person seeks is to find that connection, to get mm. back into that type of lifestyle. So I think now we are learning more about the Samis, but they have a very strong culture. Uh, they have uh, a lot of mysticism, they have uh, very many similarities to other native people, peoples in the world. And uh, absolutely a big part of the Norwegian experience. Hmm. Thanks for that. Why do we have to travel so far sometimes to experience the simple life? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's all about the wheel of life where 
when you live your everyday life, it's easy, I think, to get into a habit and travel breaks that habit. Mm, yeah. So maybe you're able to benefit from what you've learned and breaking that habit for the first few weeks or so when you get back home. But I think it's a conscious effort to try to, to change uh, for the long run. Yeah. But I think that if you're going to do that, then travel is the way to get started. New perspectives and just, I think, sleep. Get eight hours of sleep and then at least have the mind power available to to work on these things you want to work on but never get around to do. Yeah. Travel can't help but interrupt the pattern of routine. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a fun way to do it too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Give us another one here. How about the the treetop cabins? Yeah. Uh, again, if we go back to, to Kongsvinger, where I'm from, we are surrounded by another forest called Finnskogen. Uh, Finn comes from Finnish. Uh, so there were a lot of Finns who emigrated to this area historically. And Finnskogen is very rich in, of course, the forest, mm -hmm. uh, also wildlife. And uh, some of our friends have created two beautiful cabins on uh, stilts made mm. from steel mm. with a lot of woodwork. And they have all modern facilities and overlook the forest in an area where there are rare species of owl, for example. On a good day, you could hear a wolf, even though you very rarely see them. And cool. this is also one of those beautiful small cabins that you can rent, get out to. Also has a feel of luxury to it. You could book a massage, you can book um, horse and sled, you can book uh, your own guide to go fishing. There's really good lake fishing in this area. And you can also just order local food, have it delivered to your house and just stay here and just be. Mm. Mm. Another one of our favorites. We took our whole team there, actually. Really? To, yeah, to find some inspiration. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find some? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We've got a couple more left. Yeah, I think... Uh, let's three go. more, maybe. Yeah, we can yeah. go uh, south. Yeah. Another one of my favorite is uh, a manor called Boon. Uh, you, it used to be a uh, salmon lodge. Now okay. they've opened it as a boutique hotel. So it's still a salmon lodge, but also a boutique hotel. So you don't have to be a salmon fisherman to be there. And this is uh, a beautiful place by the river. Again, the wonderful hosts and an amazing kitchen. And I took a group of foodies here earlier this autumn and... Oh my God, we spent time with the chef in the garden. We harvested our own uh, artichokes, our own berries, all different things, vegetables that we use for our dinner. We prepared the dinner together with the chef. Mm. And before that, we had also visited a local farm, which was a shellfish farm, mm. where we got to sort of walk in the water, low tide, pick our own oysters, see how they clean them, see how they clean the scallops, just eat directly from where we were and just see how this beautiful family who run this farm also, you know, they prepare their own bread, they have their own cows, they have their own organic vegetables, their own fruit trees, they make jams. And we were supposed to go back for a white tablecloth lunch, but everyone, they just wanted to stay. So we just stay there the whole day and then return to, to Buen in the evening. Mm. And just seeing how these beautiful places complement each other, being in one location and having access to 
all these different farm experiences, which is a big part of the journeys we sell because Norway has a lot of small, very passionate farms, yeah. uh, farmers and farms. So, uh, so yeah, that's definitely one another favorite. Mm. Farm to table as a trend, if you want to call yeah. it that, I'm using air quotes, has been a big thing, of course, in, in the States. And I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it's not really a trend here because it's just the way it, it's been. A lot of local uh, food being consumed locally. Of course, you can go to the store and get brand names and stuff like that. But even many years ago, going up to my in-laws and we would be eating moose from the area or tutubar, the, the berries that were picked in the forest there. And it, it feels like that was that's just been a Norwegian tradition to have the, the local food be so local, yeah, hyper-local in, in many ways. It's part of a long story, actually, because back in the 70s, 80s, when I was young, uh, our farming was quite industrialized, Yeah. Uh, especially when it came to, if you look at cheese production as an example. But then uh, Norwegian agriculture has specifically targeted now, how are we going to get more diversity into what we produce? Mm. And they've subsidized farmers so that they are able to run quite small farms, run them ecologically, biodynamically. And uh, and to create really high quality produce. So what is the result? The result is higher quality, more diversity. Mm. And Norway has over the last uh, yeah eight years, we won the World Cheese Awards two times. Oh, really? Okay. The world's best cheeses. And wow. now we're doing the, the World Cheese Awards are being hosted in Trondheim next autumn. Oh, are you going? Of course. Of really? Course. I wouldn't want to miss it. I want to try some good cheeses. Yeah, they're delicious. everywhere in this country. Where can I get the world's best cheese? <laughs> well, you can get it at uh, Matholm, for example, here in Oslo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you have uh, Kraftkar, for example, which is a blue cheese, the first one that won, uh, produced in uh, Nordmøre. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot to choose from. lot to choose from. Yeah. You're giving me a lot to add to my list of yeah. things I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> We Thank have a couple. Yeah, you're welcome. We have a couple <laughs> left. There's one I want to mention, which is probably Norway's most uh, luxurious little treat. Okay. And uh, it's a lodge uh, where it's not possible to book just a room. You you buy out the whole lodge and okay. it's called uh, Omot. Okay. It's in a small, small village in Western Norway called Bygsta. Mm. And uh, it's run by a beautiful couple and mm. their dog, Steinar and Ingve. And one thing is the facilities, this beautiful historical farm renovated into a very luxurious boutique hotel. But it's the experience that they create together with their network of amazing locals. So mm. the local doctor, he's also the Angus farmer and he's the friendly, handsome neighbor who comes by to immerse you into local life. They have another set of neighbors who <laughs> run the... It sounds surreal. Yeah, they have the boat. <laughs> they take you to their boat house in a private fjord. And it's kind of private because there's a big bridge that blocks cruise ships from entering through this fjord because they can't get under the bridge. Okay. So very little traffic. Was that intentionally? They put the bridge up? Then what? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty convenient now. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of interesting because United World College, I think it is, is based at the bottom of this fjord. Really? So you have okay. students from all over the world coming in here to study. And mm. they are in this idyllic, picture-perfect little fjord village in the middle of nowhere in Norway. So this is absolutely... Omot. Is that the name yeah. of the town? No. Oh. Omot is the name of the farm. Yeah, okay. 
um, guests who come here, they can expect uh, Michelin-starred food yeah. prepared star. by... Uh, yeah, by uh, Bare, uh, which is a Michelin-starred restaurant in Bergen. Mm -hmm. They can expect uh, a private, intimate mini-concert by artists. They can expect uh, amazing massages, yoga lessons, and not to mention some of Norway's best guides. Go out, enjoy friluftsliv, maybe challenge yourself, but then know that you have someone that will always be there to make sure you're safe and to give you the best stop that outside experience or your, outdoor experience. Your job's not too bad, is it? This is all hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is, but yeah. there are perks. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. We're doing this because we want to. Yes. Yeah. Do we have one left on my yes, list? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. I think that we can go back actually to what we originally talked about, which is uh, the plus I think that's definitely a off-the-beaten-path spot worth including in a visit to Norway now. So the Plus, yeah, okay. based in Magnor Forest, mm -hmm. definitely an attraction worth including on a trip to Norway because there's mm. so much inspiration to take from it. And you can actually venture to the roof of that factory and there's a huge slide going down all the way into the forest. So it's also supposed to be playful. Cool. So Looking even if you're an adult, if you have a family with you, if you're there with your colleagues, it's a place to include. Amazing. Yeah. What has been one of your favorite experiences? If you just got reaction of all the things you've gotten to do around Norway through your company and just personally, what? I think that uh, when we talk about Ormot, I think the trip that my colleague Henriette and I had to Åmot when yeah. we were introduced to that experience was just amazing. It was during uh, COVID and uh, just just being, getting to, getting to experience what guests experience, being a guest in such amazing surroundings was just, I felt so pampered and lucky and fortunate. Yeah, truly, truly wonderful. And I also think one of the best experiences for me uh, has been, here's another destination for you, but uh, the Varanger, Varanger Peninsula <laughs> in northern Norway, where you have these beautiful guest houses. Uh, one of them is Kongsfjord in spectacular locations. Like Lofoten is spectacular, but if you go there in July, it's quite full. But if you go to this place, it's it's not crowded at all. And mm -hmm. it's, like if people knew how beautiful it was, they would be there, but they don't know. And it's not very commercial and it has so much history. It has art, it has design, architecture, these really powerful northerner people who live in this rugged, crazy environment all year with these amazing stories to tell. It has uh, a very, very sad story related to the 1600s when women were burnt at the stake as witches. Mm. But now there's a monument telling that story and it's a powerful story. So talk about transformational experience. We're actually looking at creating a journey where we start guests off in this area to look at women and women's rights over centuries. So in the 1600s, we were burnt on stakes as witches when men felt threatened by female power. And then we want to take people on a journey where we end up in Faye, which is an island outside of Bergen, where a group of women with more than 300 female investors are now creating what's going to be the world's best whiskey. 
incredible. So that's the Fedi Ocean Distillery. Yeah. And they're doing that. And why are they doing it? They're doing it because they want to turn a trend where people have started moving away from this island community. They want to bring people back. But they're also doing it because they want to tell a story to the world. They want to send a message that more people need to own. So that's why they're only female owned. And they've invited so many investors to come in and invest. Because in Norway... I think 80% of the values on the stock exchange market is run by men. Now women, they need to get on board. And that's the story they want to tell. Love that. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. That's that's so wonderful to hear. You're such a resource of, of uh, knowledge about this country. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time to to share some of your favorite spots with us. And of course, people can check you out up Norway. Dot com. Absolutely. And yeah, give people the kind of the the rundown here. What do, what do you want to let people know about Up Norway and some of the things you have coming up? And feel free to, to share whatever you'd like here. <laughs> yeah, I think just uh, to put it simply, what is Up Norway? We are a travel curator and our goal is to really show people why Norway is one of the world's most attractive travel destinations. And we'll do that by creating wow experiences for the guests who come here. We're trying to create a luxurious experience in the way that we're not offering material luxury for all that it's worth, but we're offering people something authentic, a chance to immerse, a chance to gain new perspectives, get inspired, get enriched through meeting our favorite people and places that we have curated in an itinerary where people don't have to think about logistics. They can just look at the digital itinerary that they have access to on their phones. And then we will connect them with the best places and people as they move through the country using both a mix of trains, public transportation, as well as private transportation to mm. get through the fjords and the mountains and the forests <laughs> and the coasts. I think it's incredible. I'm checked out bunch of the itineraries you have and we've gotten to to hear from you today and just getting to know you a bit and and more about the company and, and what you're running I, I i'm a fan and i think it's important that you're taking people to these lesser known places i guess not not the typical places because that that in and of itself we need more tour operators organizations people in the tourism industry doing that and curating in a different way to kind of prevent against over tourism and really overall that will give people a better you know any individual travelers or people in tour groups or whatever any travelers out there if you're spreading people out and showing them more parts of a place they're going to get to know a, con a country in a different way and perhaps have uh, an experience that's not as doesn't feel as packaged I guess, or as consumer driven in some ways, in some places you go, it's unavoidable. Of course, in some places it's uh, a Machu Picchu is not going to, people aren't going to stop going to Machu Picchu because there are alternative tracks. Uh, so I think uh, in the tourism industry, they're, they're doing uh, their best to kind of manage those popular places, but we also need more places to choose from. I feel yeah, you know, that authenticity. Exactly. And I think a big part of what we do is also to try now to to drive up uh, the different products that Norway can offer. We do uh, have people coming to us when they're thinking of creating new hotels, uh, attractions. 
and uh, we are seeing that a lot of new attractions will be built in Norway over the next few years. One example is the whale at Annøya Island, which will be like a visitor attraction for whales because Annøya is the place in Norway where you can see whales all year round. Mm. And uh, and we definitely need more to show the people who that come here. And uh, and there is a lot on its way. A lot is changing, but I think it's also about changing what tourism is, changing what travel is, because you can make some conscious choices, and and show people okay why should they use us rather than booking directly or going through like you said like a package tour where price is what matters. And we do put a lot of thought and quality into what we do. And and let's say now one of the things we've started with this year is that we don't sell any journeys shorter than four nights. And if we send people to either Svalbard or Finnmark, which we know are vulnerable destinations, we have a four night minimum. And we tell people why. And I think that awareness uh, is also important and daring to say no. Uh, when people are trying to do something that you don't believe in. Don't sell just to sell, but sell something that benefits the local people as much as the people who come to visit. Because that's What, when you what do you tell them? How do you explain? Um, like, for example, last week we had a request for someone who wanted to, to snorkel with killer whales, for example. We don't sell that. And we'll tell them why, because we know it's dangerous. We don't believe that it's good for the animals. And we think it's really unsafe for people to be in freezing cold Arctic waters in a place where there are a lot of boats, mm. where you can get, yeah. And then you're a very vulnerable person when you're out there and you get that close to wildlife. So that's something that we don't recommend, but to try to do things in a way that it doesn't hurt wildlife, it doesn't hurt nature, it's good for the locals, and it's good for the people who come there. What is the most unusual request you've ever gotten? That's confidential. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's for next time. For next time. Are you going to leave us on a cliffhanger? Well done. Are you a professional podcaster? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so very much for your time today. This was a very kushly. Can we explain what that is? We, we could finish off with that. Kus, we can. Kus. Yeah, kus. So kus is a uniquely... Norwegian concept of uh, the feeling you get, especially this time of the year when you start spending more time inside with people you care about, or even when you're alone in front of the fire with a good book, with a glass of wine and good conversation over board games, when you go to the cabin. And it's just that appreciation of being, I guess. Hmm. That's cool. Being present, enjoying yeah. yourself or enjoying the company of others. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, definitely when it's stormy and dark outside, then gathering inside to experience kus, then it's really kusli. Yeah. And it's almost a way to kind of tell people to enjoy yourself as well when yeah. you're on your parting ways and you're on your way to a... How the kusli. Yeah. <laughs> So, that uh, was very kushli for my. My And uh, this was very nice and, and cozy. And thank you so much for your time. Look forward to doing another one in the future. And good luck with everything. And we'll be staying in touch. Absolutely. More to come. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. have it special thanks to Tarun for stopping by the show for sharing her story and giving us those seven hidden gems around Norway adding to my 
ever-growing list of places that I want or need to visit. Hope you enjoyed this show. And as I mentioned at the top, if you have a minute, have a quick and exciting announcement. Don't forget, just one last reminder, upnorway.com is the website if you're looking to check out some of the itineraries she offers there. And I'm so impressed with the itineraries and the offerings through Up Norway that I've decided to partner up with her and Up Norway and Gunnar Garfors, who I mentioned at the top of the show, the first person to travel to every country in the world twice. He's actually Norwegian. He's been all over Norway, has written three books on travel in Norway. So we have a lot of expertise on this country. We thought hey, maybe there's something unique we could offer. So we are offering remote work retreats to companies and themed trips for communities. So if you're somebody that works at a company that wants to do a remote work retreat or you're in a community or some type of group theme type of thing, maybe perhaps a zero-to-travel listener trip through Norway at some point, any and all of the above. You can check it out and sign up to get more details at zerototravel.com slash Norway. That's zerototravel.com slash Norway. And excited to bring the remote working world to Norway. And all these people are going to all these other destinations in the world that are hotspots for nomads like Bali and you know different places. You know them all, I'm sure, if you've listened to this show. But I want to bring some love to Norway here and see if we can get some companies and some organizations and some communities here to experience the nature and the creativity that can happen in some of these incredible settings in a place where you're surrounded by nature and and so much charm and so many gorgeous places here. So I'm very passionate about travel in Scandinavia and in Norway specifically and wanted to do what I could to bring more people here to experience it and to, you know, work against the over-tourism that's happening, not only here, but around the world and in places that get overcrowded. Let's find some unique experiences that we could share where it's less people, more authentic, more local, all that good stuff. So anyway, if you're interested in any of that, you can check it out there. And that's what I got for you. I'm going to leave you with a quote to let you go and enjoy your day with this one from Lao Tzu. Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. Love that. Enjoy your day and I'll see you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.